Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Yes, Exodus 25, two verses. The book of Exodus chapter 25, two verses. Okay, I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation um, just because I'm random. But here's what it says. God is speaking to Moses. Moses had been with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights in his glory. And when we think of that occasion, when Moses is on top of the mountain with God, Mount Sinai, what is most memorable to us is the occasion where the Lord distributed what we call the Ten Commandments to Moses. But when you look at the book of Exodus, really, there's only a a small portion of the book, that narrative that is devoted to that incident, when the Ten Commandments was given, chapter 20. But from then on, you read chapter after chapter after chapter where Moses is receiving revelation from God, revelation about something more important than the Ten Commandments, and this is where we pick it up. Okay, verse number eight, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. All right, another translation says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. Guys, this is powerful. Don't miss this. We think of God, Moses, you know, Mount Sinai, and we think, oh, thunder, lightning, God spoke. You know, it was a terrifying experience, and it was. But there's something here that the Lord says. He says... I want my people to have a relationship with me. And I want you to tell them, not you, Moses, tell them to build me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And make sure that you build it according to the pattern, the pattern of the sanctuary and the pattern of all its furnishings. So what I'm saying is when you read the rest of the book of Exodus, you see God giving Moses the blueprints, the instructions, how to build this tabernacle or sanctuary. Now, sanctuary, sanctuary, we say in North America, a sanctuary, I I speak multiple languages, by the way, okay? I speak Canadian English because I'm a Canadian, American English, and Australian English, Honestly, okay. Never mind, parlez-vous français, and okay. But anyway, guys, the the fact is, when you look at this thing, the word that is used here for sanctuary is kadesh. In Exodus, I'm sorry, in Ezekiel chapter twenty, verse twelve, 
the Lord introduces himself as I am Yahweh Kadesh. I am Jehovah Kadesh. I am the Lord that sanctifies you. Now think about this. We talk about how we, God has called us to holiness, and there is a call to holiness, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. There's a call to that. However, we have to look at this. God is Jehovah or Yahweh Kadesh. He is the Lord that sanctifies us. Without the blood of Jesus, without the word of God, without the working of the Holy Spirit, none of us can be made righteous and can be sanctified. In fact, can I tell you something? Let me geek out for just a moment. I love biblical languages. The word in the New Testament for holy is hagios. Hagios, when you break it down, it has, has three parts to it, but the main part, the root, is the word gi. Gi means this, earth, dirt, or soil. Ha is an antecedent in the Greek language, which means it negates. So a holy person means someone who's not of the earth, not of the dirt, not of the soil. That's what it means to be holy. So you ever hear somebody say, well, they're so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. Like, you know, I know what people mean when they say that. Basically, they're, they're flaky. They're, they're out there in la-la land. I don't know. But the point is, what the Word of God says is that our citizenship, our residency, is in the heavenly realms. In fact, when Jesus said, unless you are born again, in the Greek language, it's anothen. Anothen literally means born from above, born from another realm, born from a spiritual place. So we are born from a different place. Our residence, our citizenship is in the heavens. We're seated at the right hand of God, and we are with seated in Christ with the right hand of God in heavenly places. So guys, don't ever think that you become irrelevant by being heavenly-minded, heavenly-focused. On the contrary, we are called to live from that place, and we bring heaven to earth, and we bring change to the earth. So physically, we are on earth. Spiritually, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's dual citizenship. Here we are. So God says, let them build me this sanctuary. The word was never, would never be used in reference to an ordinary, mundane building. It was always used in reference to a sacred place. Let them build me a holy place, a sacred place that I may dwell among them, that I may dwell in their midst. Guys, God won't dwell just anywhere. God Sometimes we're like, where is God? Why is it that I feel so far from God? The Bible is very clear. Read the book of James chapter 4. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Purify your hearts, you sinners. He was writing to Christians when he said that. And he's saying, you got to deal with the stuff in your life that grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved. You know, there's four times in the New Testament where we are warned that we must walk circumspectly, very cautiously and respectfully around the Holy Spirit. 
Four times. In Ephesians 4, grieve not the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, make sure that you don't quench the fire of God. You don't put out the Spirit's fire. Hebrews 10.29, do not do respite unto the Spirit of God. And then in Acts 7.51, Stephen is speaking of, of the religious Jews in his day, and he says, you always resist the Holy Spirit, stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Seeker-sensitive church right there. <laughs> what do you think Jesus would say if he came to our church today? What do you think Paul would say? God loves you. You're, it's good. He loves you just the way you are. Where does it say that in the Bible? God loves you just the way you are. Yes, God loves everyone. He does. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but not so we could stay the way we are, but so we could be changed. God loves us so much that he's not going to leave us the way we are. He's going to transform us. He's going to change us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to get the demons out of our life. He's going to get the addiction and the sin out of our life and the uncleanness out of our lives so that we can walk before him and become a vessel of honor. And the person who learns how to live in this way, you know, where we don't grieve the Spirit, we learn how to host His presence. And the Holy Spirit is actually attracted to such a person. There's four things that attracts the presence of God, at least four things. Number one is humility. Humility, the, the more dependent we are on God and, and, and the more we realize we have need of Him, God is attracted that He gives grace to the humble, he resists the proud. Then there's hunger. Hunger is so important. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They shall be filled. Holiness. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then lastly, honor. Honor. Jesus was not able to do any mighty works in Nazareth because of dishonor. So when we bring all this together and we walk in this, we become a magnet for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and things begin to change in our lives. Guys, no more striving. No more trying to do it on your own. It's almost effortless. You see, Jesus taught in John 15, which you think about this. John 15, it's the final week of his life on planet Earth. He's going to go to the cross. He knows that. What would you say to your closest friends, your family members, if you knew that in a week's time, you're gone, you're out of here, you're dying, you're on your deathbed, what would you say to them? Jesus tells them, he uses an analogy about a common Palestinian vineyard in his day. And he begins to speak to them about how his father is the vine dresser, and he's the vine, and y'all are branches. And he begins to say that every branch that abides in the vine bears much fruit. But I want you to understand something about that passage. When he tells us that every branch that abides, meno is the Greek word, it means stay connected. In fact, the, the, the noun form literally means a house, an abode, and it's used in John 14. It means God doesn't want weekend visitation rights. Okay, 
In America, we say he's not a drop-dad daddy, okay? He wants access to his kids 24-7. So God is wanting that access in our lives. So when Jesus says abide, listen to me. This is where we get it wrong. We think it's our responsibility to bear fruit. Because every good tree bears good fruit, correct? Right? Jesus said that. We think that, you know, Jesus says in John 15, that if you don't bear fruit, he says, the branch is cut off, thrown into the fire, John 15, verse 6. And so we focus on bearing fruit. I just got to bear fruit. I've got to change. I got to bear the fruit. But Jesus never once told us to make it our priority or prerogative to bear fruit. In fact, contrary-wise, he said to do the opposite. Here's the key, guys. Are you ready? Bearing fruit is a promise. Abiding is a process. If you abide, God will provide. Somebody could wrap that one. Listen, if you abide... God will provide. Seriously. You stay connected. Think about it. The life that is in a tree or in a vineyard, in a vine, that life flows into the branches, and the branches automatically, effortlessly bear fruit. When you stay connected to him, because the Bible says we are partakers of the divine nature, 2 Peter 1.4, Ephesians 4.24, we're recreated in the very image and nature of Christ, which goes back, obviously, to Genesis 1, recovering what was lost. And then what happens then is we step into a place where the life of God is constantly flowing into us. You know what happens, guys? Are you ready? All of a sudden, you wake up and you go, I don't like that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. The things that you used to hate, you love, and the things that you used to love, you hate. You begin to change from the inside out. He changes your desires, and he gives you his desires and affections, and you begin to become a partaker of the divine nature. You love the things that Jesus loves. It's so liberating and transforming. So rather than like, I've got to stop this. I've got to break this thing in my life. You know, I've got to break bad, whatever. We just got to get to the place where we step into his presence and we live in his presence. Not just a place of visitation, but a habitation. Let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them permanently and do it according to the pattern that I give you. In other words, there is a pattern. There is a blueprint. We cannot approach God on our terms doing what we think is right and acceptable. We must present ourselves to Him according to His standards. We must build according to divine specificity. There's a place where we build just so. The, the Hebrew is very strong. He's like, here's the blueprints. Build it exactly according to the blueprints. Don't deviate. Don't cut corners. No compromise, no shortcuts, no inferior products or anything else. Do it exactly according to the blueprints. All right. Fast forward several thousand years. Here we are, post-COVID, crazy world, crazy time that we are in 
and God is restoring us back to the pattern. He's bringing us back to the divine blueprints because he's doing a work in which he is about to represent himself to the world. Now, I want you to understand this. The church, which means every one of us, we're part of the church, we are the sanctuary or the temple of the living God, right? 1 Corinthians 3.16, for example. 2 Corinthians 6.16. We are the temple. We are the habitation of God. Ephesians 2.22 speaks about this, okay? So what God is saying is, I want to dwell in the midst of my people so that when people see you, they see me. Jesus, when he was on the earth as the, as the second Adam, he came. Guys, do you think that the, the only reason Jesus came was to die on the cross so you could be forgiven and, and go to heaven? If that's the case, why didn't he kill you the moment you were born again? Hello? Because you're going to mess it up. I mean, I like some return on my investments. Look at this guy. I mean, look at this. This is pretty risky. And, and what happens is God says, look, I didn't come just to bring you out of this world and take you to heaven to, re, to save you from hell, even though that's a reality, but I have come to show you how you're supposed to live while you're here on the earth. I came to restore what was lost. I came to bring a new, create a new creation that will be the body of Christ and will represent and reign and rule in the spirit realm on the earth and exercise authority over demons, over sickness, over sin, over all the things that the enemy is doing to plague the human race. I've come to raise up a body. And when Jesus said in John 14, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, why do you keep asking, Thomas, show us the Father? You've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Paul, kind of, he just, in tandem, he, he just goes on with that, and he says in Colossians and in Ephesians, it basically says this, when you see the church, you see Jesus. If you see Jesus, you see the Father, and so when you see the church, you see Jesus because we are his body. And Romans 16, 20 says that under his feet, our feet, sorry, he crushes Satan. Romans 16, 20. Listen to this. He does the crushing, but it says he uses our feet. Now, are feet attached to the head or the body? The body. You know, it says in, in Psalm 115, verse 16, the heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. He's given us the authority to bring change and transformation to the earth. Guys, we have a mandate to bring revival and awakening and transformation to the nations of the world. But it's not going to happen with just doing nice religious meetings and trying to be a good person. You need the fire and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It will not happen any other way. And what you call radical, if you use that word in the Latin, radical comes from the word radix, which means going back to the root. It's normal. It's normal Christianity. 
Read the book of Acts. That's normal. So Paul says this, two verses. Ephesians 1.23, this is the Amplified, and Ephesians 3.19 in the Amplified. Listen to this. He says, the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Wow. The fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. Listen to 3.19 in the Amplified Classic. Listen to this. Paul's prayer is that you, meaning the church, it's plural, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God. Listen to this. That you may have, the church collectively, the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That you may become a body wholly filled, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Wow. So we read in the New Testament about this man named Peter who had encountered Jesus. Remember the story. You know, the apostles in the book of Acts were rightly accused of turning the whole world upside down. Acts chapter 17, verse 6. Here are the men who've turned the world upside down. Actually, they're turning it right side up, but you're but you, you know, you're so distorted and skewed, you don't understand that because, you know, you call right what is good, evil, and so on. But here he's saying, look, these guys are turning the world upside down. In other words, the impact and the effect they were having was undeniable. Undeniable. If they weren't benign, when they showed up, guys, I mean, they, it was revival, riot, or both when they showed up, okay? And so here's what happens. It says that in that time, and this is Acts 4.13, the authorities, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they had recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. In other words, immediately when they heard these guys, when they saw them, they're like, man, who do these guys remind you of? And, you know, and it's like, Jesus. Yeah, they're like Jesus. I mean, they, they, there's something Christ-like. And so it wasn't their education. It wasn't their eloquence or their expertise that caused them to take notice. But, guys, it was their association, their proximity, their relationship with Jesus that they carried and embodied the heavenly attributes, the work and the presence of God was, was happening through them. So going back to Revelation 3.20, remember that scripture, behold, I stand at the door and I knock, right? Okay. Now, that's the church in Laodicea. Same church, he said that because you're not hot nor cold, you're lukewarm and going to spew you out of my mouth, right? Okay. So here's, here's Jesus standing at the door of a church, not a sinner, a church collectively. Contrary to popular opinion, <laughs> he is not standing at the sinner's heart saying, I want to come in, accept me as Lord and Savior. Even though 
Jesus does that, he pleads with us to use this verse is actually not sound exegesis. It's taking it out of context. What he's saying here is, you all are having great services, great meetings. I mean, your praise and worship is amazing. I mean, guys, the offerings you take up for missions, I can't believe it, but you know what? I'm not even in your midst. I'm not even with you. So Jesus' glorious condescension is saying, please open the door, let me into my church. You may just find it makes a difference. But what has been going on throughout the past decade or even longer in many Pentecostal churches is we have focused on being seeker-sensitive, how do we attract people so that we don't offend them? And how do we, you know, leadership, how do we scale the 200 barrier? How do we scale the 400 barrier? So take this course, take this seminar, you know, and how do we effectively cast vision? Um, how, do we, how do we move in such a way that we impact people you know, and we, we assimilate them and integrate them into the local church. But all along, many of these people are struggling. They're not changing. They're not getting set free because they're not encountering the person of the Holy Spirit. May I just put it this way? Holy Spirit, we like the Father. He's pretty cool. He loves everybody. Jesus is good, you know, he died on the cross. But we're not sure about you. We don't know what will happen if we let you loose. So, naughty Holy Spirit, let's put you in a back room. Because you may act up, you may act out. You may do something that you might create some chaos or some mess. And you might offend someone. And and dare we even imply that we are more sensitive to the needs of people than the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you might offend someone. I'm not talking about weird Christians, okay? Because there are weird Christians and you need to put them in the back room. But what I'm talking about is when the Holy Spirit comes and ministers effectively and powerfully and he does a work that only he can do. And it brings the results of 1 Corinthians 14, where they fall down and worship and say, surely God is in your midst. Guys, this is a season where the Lord wants to restore his presence and his glory. Acts 4, 15 through 16. It says, the anointing and the presence of the Lord that was so strong in Peter's life that they would bring out into the streets on beds and couches the sick at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them verse 16 listen to this a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed they were all healed when I was a kid I know I don't look my age, but I'm old, okay? Still in my 50s, but 
when I was a kid, my mom got saved in what was known as the charismatic renewal. And the next thing I knew, I was off to meetings with my mom, seeing legs grow, seeing people walk out of wheelchairs, seeing Catholics filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, there was one particular woman, she was quite odd, really quirky to be honest, that I, mom took me to her meetings three times that I remember. Her name was Catherine Coleman. And the first time that I went to Catherine Coleman's meeting, I was healed. And you know what? Here's what I remember about Catherine Coleman. And I've studied and I've researched. And some of the miracles that happened, I was there. Like if you read her books, I was there. But I remember this. Guys, people lined up outside, okay? The presence of God is out on the streets. You can feel it. You can feel it. People come in the building. She did not typically lay hands on people. She didn't necessarily even pray. There were times when she did. But she walked with such a tangible anointing and presence that when she came out, just God began to move. And she'd call out, there's someone up here. You've got this condition. There's someone over here. God is healing you right now. It would happen. It would happen. One of my friends told me a story years, like when we were probably in our 30s. He said, you know, my mom went to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting, and I was with her. And she went reluctantly. She did not want to go. But what happened was, she said, Catherine Kuhlman, she's strange. You know, she's a fake. She's just scamming people. But nevertheless, I'll go. She was crippled. She was in a wheelchair. She had cerebral palsy. And she was sitting near the front on the side. And Catherine Coleman walked out of her dressing room toward the platform. And as she walked by, this woman in the wheelchair felt heat go through her whole body. And she was instantly healed and got up out of her wheelchair. I mean, I had a conversation with Oral Roberts' son, Richard Roberts, about the 1972 Catherine Coleman meeting in the Maybe Center at Oral Roberts University. She's in her room crying out to God, crying out to God, crying out to God. As she walks out, there's two custodians, like janitors, and they're kind of mocking her, you know, because of the way she talks and And as she walks by them, they both fall out under the power. She goes through the kitchen because there was too many people. They take her through the kitchen. She walks through the kitchen where many people in there, and they're falling out as she walks through the kitchen. I've seen this happen time after time. I was in Nigeria about to board an airplane, and... One of the soldiers was talking to me, and he was a Christian. And I began to minister to him. And the woman at the ticket counter, she said, pray for me. Pray for me. I'm standing at the ticket counter, and I begin, I just placed my hand on her. And she goes out under the power of the Holy Spirit. She's laying on the floor behind the ticket counter. Guys, I've seen 
God do this stuff, encountering the presence of God. It marks people. It changes them. I'm telling you, what you can touch, feel, and taste is temporal. There's another realm that's spiritual, it's invisible, and it's eternal. God lives in that realm, and he's created you as a spiritual being to know him that way. I want to ask you, just bow your heads for a moment, please. The presence of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here right now. Some of you, you may be here tonight, and you're just in a place where you are like, I'm just not right with God. Maybe you don't even understand what's going on in your life, but there's something happening. You feel it deep down within. That's the Holy Spirit. He's tugging at your heart. He's saying, come home, son. Come home, daughter. I've got something amazing for you. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. I'm going to change you, and you're going to know me. Some of you might be very religious, go to church for a long time, but you've never encountered God this way. You're still struggling. There's still bondage and chains in your life. Tonight is your night to be delivered. Tonight is your time to know this God, though he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If you're here tonight and you say, I know I'm not right with Jesus, and I need to get right with Jesus, I'm telling you it's the best decision you'll ever make. Even if you've been in church for a long time, but you'll just be very honest before God tonight, and you just say, look, I'm not right with the Lord. There's things in my life that are just out of alignment with God's will. Would you just stand up quickly? Just stand up. No one looking around. Just stand up. If you're here and you say, I want to get right with Jesus, I want to surrender my life, just stand up, please. Come on, be bold. Don't be ashamed. Just stand up. Come on. And then I'm going to invite you to come down here tonight to stand at the front. I'm going to pray for you. You're going to encounter the power of God. Something's going to happen and change you. If you're here and you say, I need to experience God, I see you. I see you. God bless you guys. Come and just stand, would you? Anyone else, you're here and you just say, tonight is my night to surrender afresh to Jesus Christ. Just come. Stand here. We're going to pray. And then after this, we're going to pray for anyone who needs a miracle. But just come, guys. Just come. Yeah, come on. God bless you. Come on, Lynn. Hey, Lynn. Come on. Just come on over here. Bless you. Bless you. Let me just pray for you, okay? We're going to pray, guys, but I want to pray the touch of the fire of God upon your life right now. Come on. fire of the Holy Spirit. Be free, be healed, be whole right now in Jesus' name. Receive that anointing. Receive that anointing. Receive that anointing. She's going down. Oh
Just pray with me right now. If you're here to surrender your life to Jesus tonight, just pray with me. Just say, Father, everyone, let's pray together, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe the gospel. I believe the word of God that Jesus died. On the third day, he rose again. He died for my sins. And he was raised for my justification. So I would be forgiven. And I would be restored to relationship. I thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus. And I receive the gift of salvation. I receive the gift of salvation. I am forgiven. And I am made whole. And I am a new creation. I receive the gospel truth in the name of Jesus. I receive that right now. Come on, give the Lord a clap. Man, I think I'm sure the team is going to follow up with those of you guys who came forward. If you came forward tonight to give your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand? These guys want to give you some things to help you grow i think she's got her hand up anyone else you came forward just follow yeah just follow them just come guys yeah bless you god bless you guys just go thank you bless you yeah come on give the lord a shout give the lord a shout come on thank you lord you're here come on let's stand i'm telling you guys the show's just beginning and what I mean by that, I don't mean that just disrespectfully. I mean that God is going to do some powerful things tonight if we'll stay in his presence, if we'll keep worshiping and keep seeking him. He's going to do some powerful things. God is moving in this place tonight. Do you believe that? All right, four people believe that. Anybody else believe that? Come on, you guys, you're loud. I mean... You're here, right? Some of you guys, you need a miracle tonight. You need healing in your body. You need maybe healing in your marriage, a situation you're dealing with that just in the natural, you're not able to resolve that. Jesus is here. He loves you. 
And he died for you, guys. He's not angry at you. He's not like, well, get your life together and then maybe I'll help you out. No, guys, he's like, come to me as you are broken, messed up, struggling. Come to me and watch what I'll do in your life. I'll change you. I'll transform you. I'll make you a new creation. Guys, do not allow the enemy to stop you from walking in this liberty and this freedom that Jesus has for you. Don't allow him. He doesn't have the power to hold you back. He does not have the power to hold you back. It's been broken. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit comes, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he said, because the prince of this world is cast out, meaning the ruler of this world, his power, it, it's a forensic word. It's, it's a judicial term. In other words, he was judged. He was, his power was broken. Demons cannot hold you back from Jesus. Addiction cannot hold you back. Addiction has no right on your life. When you surrender your life to Jesus, every demon must go. All sickness must go. All addiction must go. All tormenting thoughts. Anything that is not of God must go in the name of Jesus. And so I take authority tonight as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And I take authority over every demonic stronghold. I take authority over sin, sickness, and disease. And I say in Jesus' name, tonight, receive the deliverance and the healing and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you need healing, just put your hand on your head right now. If you need healing in your body, just put your hand on your head right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I receive that. Just begin to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we break it off. We break it off. We break the power of the wicked one in Jesus' name. Come on. The Holy Spirit is moving right now. If you're here, you feel God moving in your life, just come to the front. We're going to pray with you guys. We're going to pray through with you. Just come to the front. Thanks for joining us today at The Kingdom Community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. To learn more about the Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.